from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people, credit union ideas. I'm your host, Craig Sauer, Senior Editor for CUNA's Credit Union Magazine. Today's guest is Jason Peach, the CEO at West Community Credit Union in suburban St. Louis. Peach talked to my CUNA colleague, Adam Mertz, recently at the CUNA CFO Council Conference in Orlando, Florida. At the conference, Peach participated in a panel discussion on making the jump from CFO to CEO. In the interview, Peach discusses his own professional journey, as well as some of the innovative practices his credit union is taking to improve brand awareness and lending capabilities. What's the main message that you send to people who are CFOs that are looking toward that top spot in the credit union? Well, you know, one thing that was the biggest shift is you are not the CFO anymore. And so what you come in the office every day focused on, the decisions you have to make or not make, it all just changes. So you just move to a different chair and you get a a lot of freedom to be in a different place. And then you have to be comfortable with that. You know, for me personally, really getting to message about our mission to our workforce and to our board and really put the focus on what we do every day beyond um, trying to make the the financials work or to figure out the accounting rules and and those things that are very, very important. But I didn't have to come in carrying that responsibility anymore. So I think the biggest shift is to know that, and what we talked about this morning, was that don't be a CFO in a CEO body. Ten years of, of a very comfortable, fun routine, right? That, you know, I enjoyed being the CFO. I enjoyed that job. I think most of the people here really do do love it. But I also love um, the responsibility and the opportunity to lead as CEO. And that um, meant the job needed to be different. I needed to be different. The other thing we talked about this morning is that the success or, uh, or the, the habits and things that you do to be a successful CEO the last 10 years or the last 20 years is not what it's going to take for the next 10 years, the next 20 years. And the the trouble is, uh, you know, and I had a great mentor. uh, I think, you know, we've talked about my CEO. I've been there 41 years, grew the credit union from, you know, less than a million in assets to when he left, we're about 170 Mm -hmm. million. And um, so he saw a lot of change, and and I would call that a lot of success. Um, But what he did to do that and what his day-in and day-out responsibilities were, what made it um, that success happened would not take us from 170 million to a billion and beyond. You know, so um, I have to look at the strengths and weaknesses that he brought to the table, and not think that I have to replicate that exactly. I need to understand what can stay and will continue us forward, and what things were appropriate when we were smaller, um, uh, under different environments, different context, and know what what we haven't done yet, and what I need to lead a little bit differently. Uh, to go from here and be successful uh, into the future world. You know, and you mentioned before Gary Heinrichs, the CEO uh, before you. Uh, what's what's some advice maybe that he either gave or that you observed uh, in terms of leading your organization? Well, a, a couple things. One is he would say that it's not the the big that'll eat the small, it's the quick that'll eat the slow. And so that, uh, he had a number of sayings, but that was one that really stuck with me. Uh, and I believe that drives me today. And I, uh, I got a, went to another program, and they said the pace of the leader sets the tone for the pack. And so, you know, that's why I make sure I keep my pace pretty aggressive 
Um, so that sets that tone. A, I'm in it with everybody else. I'm not just saying go do that and then I'm not setting that pace myself. Um, but truly, being able to move quickly, um, I think is going to be a key for us um, because we aren't going to, no matter how much we scale up, how large we grow, there's very few of us that are really going to have the scale to dominate our marketplace competitively from that viewpoint. Right. So we're going to be quick and agile and um, that's the kind of organization that um, I think we can build and one that was, will be successful, but it takes a lot of energy. So, you know, that's, um, that is where, that was one of my big takeaways and that's a natural fit for me personally. Um, he, you know, he had a strong sense of ethics, integrity, you know, the, I think those are really key things. I mean, unfortunately there are business leaders out there who don't bring that to the table and would not be great mentors. Uh, but in this, this case, I was able to be fortunate to work with somebody who had, um, a strong sense of what's right and um, also really his approach to really stepping out of the way of people you know let people do what they uh, what they're good at um, and having a way to allow that to happen so I, just just a number of things like that you know he brought that to the table also got to seek um, you know one of the things is when you learn from people even if uh, not just from their things that they're good at but the things they're not as good at. And, and he and I had very frank dialogue sometimes and he was very self-aware, which I think is important for folks. And some of the things that were challenges for him were also great learning opportunities for me. And um, so, you know, I, I really appreciated that, that time. You had, I imagine that you had it in your mind that you were thinking about at least moving into that top role at some point in your career. Um, and you talked also in the panel discussion about skill sets. Uh, maybe broadening yourself a little bit, making yourself uncomfortable. What were some of the, the challenges that, that you faced, that you identified in yourself that, hey, I need to work on this, I need to think about this if I'm going to be a CEO someday? Right. So, you know, I had a couple advantages early on in my career. Um, I had um, a mentor that would not let me come into the accounting space and um, mentor me. Uh, he was a CFO of a, another institution uh, without first going out into the retail environment. He said, you're going to learn to lend. That's our core business. You're going to serve members. You're going to see how the retail operations work. Uh, you're going to manage people on the retail side, which is a very different environment uh, sometimes than in the back office. And so he said, you have to have, it. that was his experience. And so it, he said, you know, that, that was important to do that. So I had an advantage that I got to be on the retail side at first and then uh, gravitated into the finance side. Um, so I think that's very helpful. Um, having a more holistic perspective of the business. Mm -hmm. um, you know, UPS has you put the boxes on the truck before you can lead, and I think there's a way that if you're going to be in a business that's about serving people, especially in the retail channel, um, it, it really helps if you're going to lead people um, to know what they're experiencing, um, to know the value of, of those contributions and their challenges. And I think it makes me a little more empathetic and um, a little more focused on that critical touch point with our members. Um, and it isn't just about reading a balance sheet or trying to make a balance sheet look different or hedging or, you know, it's really about people helping people. In terms of the other skill sets, it really was about networking, about building relationships. And in the CFO world, you get to interact with a lot of numbers and you get to interact with a lot of spreadsheets and there's always jokes about that. But, you know, when you get in the CEO role, there's no compliments on spreadsheets anymore. You know, that's, that really is um, something that doesn't translate. Yeah. So basically, um, and of course, you know, us CFOs, of, you know, we are not always as outgoing uh, um, 
or extroverted. Yes. And so, uh, and I'll admit, while I'm not an introvert, um, if you know, walking to a room where you don't know anybody and, and trying to build, you know, make a connection is not easy. You know, some people are great at it. I really admire it. Try to watch what they do. But that's a, a true skill set, and those relationships foster future business, future growth um, opportunities. And my job is to bring growth to the credit union, but also to bring as many opportunities as possible. And that means uh, it's a numbers game. You have to meet as many people as you can. Uh, my approach is to try to help other people. I think that's a great way to start building a relationship rather than just trying to ask for them to help us. And then I think that's often returned. So that's kind of something uh, the last two or three years getting involved in, um, you know, I sit now on a board uh, of two of our CUSOs, two boards there. Uh, I sit on a nonprofit board in our community. Um, I help with our political advocacy at our um, credit union association. Um, so trying to find as many touch points as possible um, to meet people, grow relationships. And um, I'm fortunate enough that our board has allowed me to join a young president's organization, which actually connects me with business leaders um, in, uh, across the St. Louis area and actually internationally through the you know, electronic channels. Um, and they're not credit unions. They're large companies, but they're all CEOs, and we can share ideas and information with each other to help each other out. I have to imagine that's really helpful because the credit unions are incredibly collaborating, and, and we're here at a council's event, and there's, there's all this cross-pollination of ideas, but uh, if there's a criticism, sometimes it's that credit unions are too insular yes. in their thought. So for you to have that opportunity and be able to share ideas, um, absorb what other people are talking about, I'm sure that's instrumental. I don't know if there's anything that you've picked up you know, that really sticks with you out of that experience. Well, I'm, I'm still relatively new to it, but um, it's re I've experienced enough to reinforce that this is the right thing to do and this is the right place to spend a decent amount of time. Um, you know, it, what it's exposing me to is different ways CEOs view success um, how their, you know, how their companies and their stakeholders view success. You know, we all in the credit union land have a pretty defined way we look at it. Yes, we need to have enough capital. So I'll, I'll go there first. That's my old CFO, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to have enough capital, and you so you have to have a solid balance sheet to protect the uh, the members. But really, you're there to serve the members, and so member happiness, which is translated typically through end results like member growth, asset growth which means people are doing more and more business with you, um, tends to mean that, that they like what the services you're providing. And so that's a pretty simple approach to really define success. If there is no stock value, there's no other kind of indicator that says the market is happy with what you're doing. Right. But these other CEOs, they do um, have a little more of that kind of pressure, um, and they have to still balance resources, but it's, it's something for me that... Um, then they, through that pressure, how they really focus on leading the company and growing the business and what that does, while there are some moral hazards and some things that can are not so good about that world, when I see that kind of motivation, it says those, there's some good behaviors in there that if I can translate it into my role, um, that it could be really successful for the credit union. When did it first strike you that people are looking to me as the leader of this organization? Yeah, I mean that's um, it's it's still kind of fresh, you know. It's only eighteen months in, and but the minute you do walk it, uh, into that your office and on the first day, it it hits you. I mean, it really um, it's not a negative, but it's it's you can't 
scenario it. You can't, you know, fantasize, you can fantasize about it, but you can't really feel it the way you do once it, it is what it is, right? You know, it, it, there's no uh, hy hypothetical scenario. So once it's real, you know, you have to carry that responsibility. And of course, you desire that responsibility, you enjoy that responsibility, um, but it, it, it definitely is a unique feeling that, um, I, I think I described in this morning's session, learning to be uncomfortable more uh, and not having that self-reinforcing feedback loop that says, you know, all, you know, the 30 or 40 decisions you made today that have nothing to do, that aren't quantifiable, um, we're all um, uh, a collection of good decisions and you're doing your job well. Um, you don't have those feedback loops really uh, in the CEO position as you do in other positions where either you have somebody there who's watching and, and evaluates you. Um, I'm not saying I don't miss, I miss that or anything, but, <laughs> but at the same time, that's one feedback loop. The other is a lot of things are measurable result, you know, task oriented, um, deadline oriented, and that you don't have as many of those in the CEO role. It's more longer term, more culmination of uh, interactions with members or the workforce in a way that if, if you're doing your job well, should lead to meeting uh, the goals of the, of the credit union. But you don't have a way to know if you're off base, if you could have made a better decision. Um, it's such a long term kind of coming to fruition. And so it's, it's a little unnerving. Um, mm -hmm. sometimes, and, and I've, I'm still coming to grips with um, being okay with what I feel like is taking risk in just certain decisions or certain interactions where I need to hold that decision and then not knowing or getting feedback if I did in fact make a good decision. What resources do you lean on in that respect in terms of, you know, there's so many leadership books, there's decision-making books, there's all kinds of, of avenues that you could turn down. What, what have you found to be particularly helpful? So I think, um, and again, we talked a little bit about this this morning, was the mentoring side of the, of the business. So we have, um, we're fortunate enough to have a key partner uh, who's an organizational psychologist who's worked with credit unions for years in St. Louis, worked with West Community, uh, involved in our strategic planning, our Baldridge process. He knows us very well. So I do have um, the good fortune to have that resource available to me. And so that is somebody that I can really, that's pretty neutral, that I can call up or meet with and say, hey, I'm really thinking about this decision. This really you know, has a number of ways it can go. What do you think? Or here's, what are the pros and cons? Helps me think through it in a way that I don't feel judged or um, it's truly safe. So I, I don't think enough, I, I, I don't know how I would actually do this job without that resource. And I um, encourage, you know, that for others, I think the ego needs to stay at the door. You know, mm -hmm. oh, uh, I think a lot of people want to make the decision and not and have that all to themselves, potentially, where I don't mind if if I need to bounce something off, bounce, bounce the idea off somebody and talk to them about it. And so I think people need to talk to people, gain from their experiences. Talk a little bit about West Community. What what you have going on right now that you're really excited about, uh, some initiatives, uh, and, and give us a little background right. first on who you serve. We currently, so West Community was the first community chartered credit union uh, in St. Louis. So in 1936, we were chartered, and we didn't serve a company by itself directly. We weren't a seg-based wow. credit union. So we truly were, from the get-go, a char you know, community charter, but not in today's terms. So it was a municipality called Brentwood which is near the city of St. Louis. It's out uh, just inside the county. 
And um, so that was kind of where we started. Then uh, what's really interesting, we got to about 80 million in assets in 2004 with that one location. And uh, they decided to uh, expand uh, and open another branch, mainly because they got large enough that that building couldn't handle all the back office staff and sure. they needed more space. So if you're going to do that in a one branch credit union, get another branch out of it. And so 80 million assets, one branch. Well, by the end of this year, we'll have quadrupled that number of branches and tripled our assets. Um, so through both mergers and organic growth. And um, we also operate under um, two names. So in, in St. Louis, we're West Community Credit Union. And in Columbia, Missouri, where the University of Missouri is, we're Tigers Community Credit Union. Mm. So we merged a, a student-run credit union where actually in, in the mid-90s, I started in the credit union business and that got me hooked. Um, we merged a, a small credit union in uh, 2006 in Columbia and have operated uh, down there in that town as well. Okay. And because of uh, the pride of the university, it, it, West really didn't mean anything and, yeah. and everybody tries to play off the affinity to the, the, the Missouri Tigers. So, um, which I'm a Missouri Tiger, so this is kind of fun. And uh, so we have complexity, you know, that we haven't, you know, in 12 years, we've added branching complexity, we've added asset size complexity, we have marketing complexity with two mm -hmm. names and markets mm -hmm. that are, you know, a couple hundred miles apart. And so very quick, rapid growth, not just in size, but complexity. And I think that's really been an incredible challenge. Um, the way I believe we've managed through it is we, in 2008, um, learned about the Malcolm Baldridge criteria, which is a performance model. It was started manufacturing in the 80s, and then it's evolved into service-based businesses, hospitals, school systems. And Missouri has a state-level program that helps companies share best practices on uh, this leadership system, which covers everything from, it's really process-focused. Okay. But it's not like Lean or Six Sigma. That is a process to get better at your processes, but this is more holistic across your governance system, your leadership system, your workforce, um, your member focus. So it looks at the whole business model and then says, how do I get better at what I do and achieve the results that I choose that I deem are key? And how do I measure that and, and trend them up? So it's a very kind of a focused way to basically not be all over the place when sure. you're trying to run your business. Yeah. You actually are organized, but businesses are big and complex. So it's also very complex to try to adopt the Baldrige model because it's as big as our business, right? It doesn't tell us what to do, but it's going to have us cover all the facets in a very organized way. So we've been on our what we call our Baldrige journey since 2008, and um, we every couple of years submit an application for feedback from the state-level organization to get um, third-party examiners to come in and give us feedback on how we can get better at what we do they don't tell us necessarily how to run our business because mm -hmm. they don't know it, but they use their criteria to help us understand how far along we are at being, um, uh, you know, higher performers based on that that criteria. And there's been a credit union that actually has won the national award, Elevations Credit Union. Yes. And so we, that's really exciting to have an industry player that we can point to and see what they've done. And the whole point of Aldridge is not just to get better, but to share best practices. And the idea is to help American businesses and find ways to improve. And of course, it was born out of the 80s with the manufacturing and the pressure from overseas um, at the quality that was happening over there. So, okay. so anyway, it's translates and it can translate into any business. And I say all that because that really is, I believe, helped us 
create such growth, rapid growth and complexity and size that I think otherwise um, would have been very, it would have really stretched us or exposed us to risk or could have led to failures we avoided. Uh, and you never get to see the failures you avoided, but I, but you, I, I truly believe that, that we did avoid failures by um, having a sound approach to our business model. And you talked about that growth. I mean, that's, you're moving from an organization that's pretty straightforward, not easy to manage, no organization is easy to manage, sure. but it's, it's simple. Right. And, and you're right. talking about scalability there right. very rapidly that you need to have the right kind of personnel, you need to have the right kind of structure, the right kind of outlook. There's a lot that goes into that. And it, yes. it did, was that kind of an overnight commitment and change? You made some fundamental changes or is that a process that's happened over the last 10 years? So it's been a process, you know, and not everything is a planned event, but you have a, we, what we really focus is on a strategic planning process, which again is part of Aldridge, part of their criteria. Mm -hmm. So we have really worked to have a planning process that forces us to innovate, forces us to create stretch goals, benchmark goals versus just backing into a, a number we think we can hit, um, understanding a balanced scorecard that allows us to balance the various needs of our stakeholders versus focusing, on, you know, getting enamored with one item, whether it's profitability or asset growth or member growth. Um, we truly believe in taking care of our workforce. Through, you can imagine the stress on the workforce from the rapid growth from, from every part of the organization. And so we really also work really hard on our culture. Uh, matter of fact, our VP of HR is called the VP of People and Culture to really send the message that that's, that's what it is. It's not, you know, yes, we have to run payroll. We have to, you know, do some of the green visor type stuff yeah. in HR. But that's not really um, where our resource focus is. Uh, because we serve people with people. Uh, yes, technology is all around it, and we've, we've been early adopters on a number of things. We were the first credit union to do instant issue debit cards back in 2006 in St. Louis. There was maybe one bank in St. Louis doing instant issue mm -hmm. debit cards at that time. So we're very willing to um, uh, be early adopters. I don't know, bleeding edge is the right word, maybe leading edge in terms of adoption. Yeah. You know, we're not big enough to create the technology, but our job is to go see it, find it, and try to get it into our house and complement our strategy and leverage it as quickly as we can because it's a very competitive environment. So that's what we believe we can control when it comes to innovation. Uh, we also are doing something that has is, is not been done by credit unions in St. Louis. Uh, it's been done around the country by some banks. Um, it's, there might even be a credit union or two that have, that have done this as well. We're very mortgage focused. And the one thing that there was a Filene study said the, the way credit unions source mortgages primarily are through repeat business, good service levels, pricing, because we were there. On the banking side, the realtors, the point of sale is a huge touch point, with, yes. you know, including other related entities like title companies, attorneys. And so there's a huge amount of business that credit unions are not earning. Um, and credit unions, while they've hired outside salespeople and have started to really try to develop those relationships, the problem that we believe that's contributing is that the realm of experience for most people about credit unions and what we can do on the mortgage side is still far from where it needs to be. Somebody puts the word mortgage after their company name or bank, they get a significant advantage just superficially um, from the name. There's a lot implied by that name. And so what we're doing is we've created a DBA called West Community Mortgage, and we're opening a storefront that is not a full retail. It's, it's really our mortgage staff will reside in that office space. And it'll be like a huge billboard 
under that signage, and then our outside salespeople on the mortgage side will, will be um, representing West Community Mortgage. To those who um, are not familiar with us, I think that'll break down a barrier uh, and help over time uh, grow that side of the business. When you made that decision, uh, was, that a, was that a hard sell with, with board internally? Um, and what were, what were the concerns that were brought up about Sure. You know, that's the great thing about being CEO is you're never right, you know. So every idea you have <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, is probably not right. And that's probably, there's probably a lot of truth to that. But lots of feedback. So I think inherently we are all on the same page that mortgage lending is a key part of our strategy. So we all agreed to that. So there was no, I think that would have been a harder sell if we yes. all wanted, if people wanted to be in on a diff, really uh, different line of business we weren't in. Uh, and, you know, we, we've had commercial lending for years, indirect, direct auto. So their mortgages have really been a strong play for us because we're so loaned out that we can sell the mortgages and generate a lot of non-interest revenue okay. um, through the servicing release premiums. Yes. So for us, churning that paper, selling it off, creates a revenue stream that does nothing to our balance sheet and helps us grow faster because we can have more capital to ca basically capitalize higher growth rates. And so basically... Um, mortgage lending is a key aspect for that. We don't really need long-term mortgages to fill up our balance sheet. We've done that through all our products. Um, we hold very few long-term mortgages on our books, in fact. And like a lot of credits that have been loading up, we've been fortunate enough to have a lot of short-term adjustable rate real estate loans, um, home equities, autos, credit cards, commercial loans. So we have a, a broad basket. And so that gives us the ability to um, sell the loans and not, not regret that, oh, I wish we could have held that loan on our books and had the interest revenue. We've got plenty. Uh, you know, we're 100% lent out. So yeah. we are able to go straight for the non-interest income. And so we want to generate more of that. And so everybody was on the same page with that strategy. Um, this is a concept I've actually talked about for years, even before I was CEO. And, you know, it's kind of a silly thing, but I was down at, we have this big lake um, in Missouri, and it's called Lake of the Ozarks. Yes, and, been there, uh, it's lovely. Yes, it's lovely. So, and just for full disclosure, I don't have a lake house, and I don't have a boat down there, so <laughs> I'm not, you know, not, uh, I, you know, I'm still a humble credit union yeah, person, but right. if you do, that doesn't mean you aren't a humble credit union person, but I haven't, <laughs> I haven't been CEO more than 18 months, so let's just say I was visiting somebody else's condo down there, there and somebody else's boat, right. but we are having a great time, and they have huge houses around there along the lake, and you kind of... There's stories like this person is that CEO of that company. They're not credit unions. And there's a, a huge house with a helicopter pad. And it belonged to somebody who owned a mortgage company in St. Louis. And I said, you know, that's really crazy. You know, they don't offer any other service but mortgages. And this is the kind of wealth that gets created out of those transactions. And I'm thinking, you know, we offer, we have to offer checking accounts, auto loans, and we offer, by the way, mortgages. And... Um, I, what I want to see is that kind of wealth effect for the credit union itself. And this company is, they aren't looking to become a bank. They don't want to offer checking accounts. They just want to do mortgages. Yeah. And why? The margins are incredible. So that means there's a lot of consumers that maybe could be paying less because that mortgage company, I mean, there's a way that wealth gets created. Right. So there's a lot of opportunity for us to complete our mission in our communities to help members. It also gives the ability to generate um, more revenue production for the credit union so we can grow faster and be more sustainable and broaden our other services that we are choosing to offer that that company does not. 
So strategically, I, I've talked about we need to be all in on that game mm -hmm. because we are better than those companies. We have the better service levels. We, we've never missed a commitment to close in 25 years. And so we talk to people about this, but, but we don't have the, the inroads, the relationships built that, and the name, frankly. Mm -hmm. So I, I was messaging around that as well. So uh, people have heard me talk about it for years. Um, it wasn't the top priority while I was not CEO, um, but, but it was time about 18 months in or early this year, I said, I, I would like to put that into our strategy list. I want to go ahead. I've been talking about it long enough. It, I believe it, you know, it's a level of, of safe innovation because it's really not that expensive to lease this storefront because we're not a full service branch there. Yep. Um, it gives our, our outside loan officer, I think, more leverage to do their job. And we that's been a challenge is, is making those positions successful. Um, Credit unions have been hiring for them, but again, building those relationships have been challenging. And so, you know, it, for a little bit more investment, we can try these concepts and we'll learn from it. And if it doesn't work, if we don't see an effect over the next few years from operating with this name, if we don't, if on the mortgage side, then we'll stop. I mean, so there's really a way for us to exit as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I believe, and, and I've had feedback from our mortgage loan officer who's in Columbia, um, say, when are we going to offer a Tiger's? community mortgage office. Right. So he's that's looking next. at St. Louis going, wait, that that's going on down there. I want it down here. So that already gave me a little bit of optimism that, you know, it, appearance means things to people who have to make decisions who don't really get to know you. And so that's, I think, going to help us in our marketing for that, that product. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And you can connect with me on Twitter at Cunicraig.